listening to LGBTQ America. My name is Brandon Kremity. We want to welcome our listeners inside the United States and around the world. Well, if you are listening to this broadcast, welcome to 2017. Happy New Year. You've all made it. We have all survived. And here we go with our first broadcast of the new year. Um, I am joined this morning by Mr. Roger Lang. Roger, welcome to LGBTQ America and 2017. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Brandon. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Did you yourself have a good New Year, Roger? Uh, No, I did not. I was actually sick all night with the flu. I didn't even uh, stay up till midnight. Oh, my God, I feel like such a jerk now. Like, Happy New Year, and you're like, I was sick. You know what? I saw a few other people on Twitter that were also sick and had nothing to do with alcohol, believe it or not. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm actually pretty grateful, uh, though, because my little brother was sick as well, and he was actually getting pretty bad, but he's feeling better now, so I'm just happy he's feeling okay. Okay, understand. Now, um, you have Twitter. I saw you on Twitter. I know you were around. I wasn't watching television. I was trying to get a lot of things done, and I had New Year's goals and work to do. But the name Mariah Carey (laughs) splashed across my timeline last night. I I hate to give people a Breaking Bad spoiler. It's been three years. It's not too soon. But literally, there was one day where my entire timeline was like, Gus, no, not Gus. (laughs) And I was was looking at my entire timeline like, wow, wow. I'm assuming something really big happened on Breaking Bad. So last night was kind of like that. It was like my entire timeline was New Year's, New Year's, and all of a sudden it was like, oh, my God, Mariah Carey. And I'm like, what? Oh, my God, what in the world's happening? So apparently Mariah Carey got caught lip-syncing on Dick Clark's New Year's Rocking Eve. Did you see that on Twitter, or what do you think about that? I did see it. I just watched it, actually. Um well, first of all, is anybody too surprised that Mariah Carey was lip-syncing and do we really care all that much? But I feel like the main story is what exactly happened on stage that made her performance so bad? Yeah. She her, she herself, her spokeswoman, said that it had nothing to do with Mariah Carey and that it was all technical difficulties. But then the producer for the show said that there were no technical difficulties. So everybody's just kind of pointing fingers at each other right now. You know, I totally buy it. Um, believe me, I, I'm pretty old. You just got to trust me on this. I've uh, Even back to the infancy of, like, clip-on microphones and studio, I've seen every type of conditions possible. But when you go out into the field and when you're in an environment like Times Square in New York, I mean, I was literally looking at tweets from reporters last night that had those big headphones on, like the types that you see football coaches on so that all they can hear is what's in their headphones. And the uh-huh. reporters tweeting out last night said that Times Square was so loud that those headsets were necessary to hear anything. So if it was basically like those reporters were describing, and they're like, okay, Mariah, go sing now. It's like, well, she's in Times Square. It's this huge event. you got all those people and all that noise. It probably was a chaotic mess. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you, Brandon. And if I could point out, um, a lot of people don't know that a lot of artists who, they're not necessarily lip syncing, but they do play their own vocals in the background and then sing on top of it because it makes it a lot easier to hit the right notes, you know? And so maybe Mariah Carey just couldn't hear herself. Mariah, we wish you well. You know, you're still in our dreams. <laughs> Some of us that remember back that far. Um, also, so Will and Grace is confirming that they are going to make 10 new episodes in this year, 
Um, a lot of Will and Grace fans in the LGBTQ community are probably celebrating. Um, I'm totally kidding ourselves. They're unconscious right now, Roger. But they will celebrate when they wake up and hear that news. Trust me. What do you think, Will? And oh Grace? my God! I had no idea. That is so. That is amazing. I'm so excited. There you go. There you go. There's one vote. <laughs> I, actually, I'll give well, let's two. I, I'll vote for that. Um, did you see where they did a brief special, like 10 or 15 minutes, kind of a pro Hillary Clinton? Uh, skit during the election. Did you see that recent bit that they released? I have not, and I have not even seen the whole series yet, actually. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Uh, let me put it to you this way. For a series that's been off the air, kind of give or take 10 years, for them to do a brand new skit and just feel like they hadn't lost a beat, a lot of Will and Grace fans are like, wow, the chemistry is there. They're funny as ever. It's kind of time for a comeback, you know? Hollywood is really into these reboots and these comebacks right now. This is the right time for Will and Grace. I wish them luck. Me too, me too. Um, so I have a quote written down here that just says Hollyweed. I'm going to give that one over to you, Roger. Can you tell our listeners about Hollyweed? <laughs> Not Hollyweed, Hollyweed. Um, I don't know too much about this myself. I was just uh, going through Flipboard earlier today. But apparently someone vandalized the Hollywood sign last night and was able to make it read Hollyweed. Wow. I mean, that's a big sign. I've been I've been to Los Angeles. That's no small deal. I mean, that literally is like an orchestrated effort. It's uh-huh, not just some uh-huh. drunk guy in the middle of the night. Like, I'm going to change the sign, man. I mean, that really, they must have really worked on that. <laughs> Yeah, they must have put some play to get to it. Um, from the pictures, like I said, I don't know too much about it, but from the pictures, it looked like they just were able to cover certain portions of the two O's in some kind of like a black sheet, and then they hung white sheets in the middle of the O's to turn the O's into E's. Oh, my God, that's some people with a lot of time on their hands. But um, there are some laws regarding recreational marijuana that did go into effect today, January 1st, 2017. So, I believe California is on that list, so I think they're just reflecting the change in their laws and their new special privileges, perhaps. <laughs> well, either way, it's incredibly interesting. It was a really cool story to wake up to, I think. I bet Hollywood is going to give that until Monday or Tuesday at the latest and get right up there and clean that <laughs> up, though. But uh, cool for the weekend. They should leave it a few uh, days. A lot of uh, sad celebrity losses, some really shocking in 2016, just to kind of wrap up the year. One of them um, was Carrie Fisher, known as Princess Leia from the Star Wars universe. So uh, a lot of fans are mourning that, and also the loss of her mother, Debbie Reynolds, which is the next day. So we just want to send our condolences to that family. The son, Todd Fisher, has been very well outspoken. And uh, Todd, our condolences to you. So Disney is reporting that Carrie Fisher had completed her work on the next installment of the Star Wars series, which is due out this December. But everyone is in a panic now because just like the original Star Wars, it's a trilogy leading up to a huge final installment. Reportedly, General Leia's role is going to be much larger in this next film. And uh, she's gone. They have not even started filming the next installment. You and I have both seen Rogue One of which there was extensive, expensive, and complicated efforts for them to recreate <laughs> Grand Moff Tarkin, you know, with an mm-hmm. actor that's been deceased since 1994. 
Um, when you saw Rogue One and you knew that that was a recreation, what did you think about that? Do you think they did pretty well going digital? I do think that they went pretty well with the digital, but I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't put too much money on them making a digital copy of Carrie Fisher, at least not one for the entire movie, though. I would imagine that maybe they would recreate a death scene and that would be it because she's just too too important of a character, you know? Right, right. And that would be such a difficult role. I mean, who in Hollywood can you even tap and say, hey, Carrie Fisher passed away. We need you to come on set, play this role, and then we're going to have to digitally replace your face. I mean, I think that because the fans know and the fans have such an emotional attachment, I think that what Disney is grappling with right now is the idea to do it or not to do it. So I think that they're stuck between a rock and a hard place because I suspect that with her role being elevated to such a much bigger place in the second film, which we haven't seen yet, it's probably crucial that we see something from her in that final installment. So they know they have to do something. I agree. Oh, and um, for anyone who doesn't know, I think it's uh, important to note that Disney is actually going to receive a $50 million insurance policy since Carrie Fisher was unable to complete the trilogy. Oh, my gosh. So they're going to receive insurance funds. They have mm-hmm. a policy. I see. Okay. We've seen this happen before. Philip Seymour Hoffman tragically passed away before, you know, the uh, Mockingbird film came out from that series. And we saw this with Paul Walker and the Fast and uh-huh. the Furious where they had to have his brother recreate some scenes. So I understand that Hollywood has looked at things a different way. They're even asking the actors to do some different test shots and CGI things in the event of this. But we're all fragile human beings. Uh, so in the Hollywood industry, when you enter into a movie, what's their insurance anymore? I guess it's just digital ability to recreate actors. <laughs> <laughs> well, someday, I, I mean, I, we could imagine yeah, someday an that they might be able to... Oh, go ahead, Brent. Well, I, I'm just basically thinking of from an actor's perspective. I'm an actor. I've done television and film. So I would like to think that we, in and of ourselves, are irreplaceable, but apparently not <laughs> because we can be replaced with, yeah. But, but again, in the case of Star Wars, I mean, they had a big budget and they went to the lengths of the ends of the earth to create Tarkin, <laughs> which I felt they did pretty well, but I knew. I could tell. I could really tell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> couple other celebrity losses. Oh, uh, I just want to mention briefly, did you see that the ex-boyfriend of George Michael had posted on New Year's on Twitter and it showed up in several news articles that he believes that George Michael had attempted to commit suicide many times and it looks like he was finally successful. Now he's out there like, well, I was hacked. I was hacked. That's not true. That was a hacker. So, Hacking continues into 2017, if that's true, Roger. More hacking. Oh, my gosh. Well, that is... I just don't actually know what to say about that. That's the first time I've heard it. That would be very sad if he had taken his own life, and even worse, if they're just slandering him. It it would be sad for the whole community, and um, especially with the losses of someone like Prince, you know, who had a cerebral overdose situation. So we want to do everything we can to preserve lives, save LGBTQ and all lives. I just want to also mention there was an act of terrorism in a nightclub in Istanbul last night. So our thoughts and prayers are with the victims of that. Obviously, terrorism is something that's going to continue into 2017. We have a lot of issues on the table that we're going to be carrying into the new year that 
didn't necessarily wrap themselves up at the end of the year. But looking to the positives, let me just wrap up with you here, Roger. What uh, what are you looking forward to in this next year? What things do you want to see happen, and, and what are you looking forward to? Well, honestly, as um, as trepidatious or just flat-out scared of Donald Trump, most people are, including myself. I'm a little bit worried about him as well. I can't help but be a bit excited about what he might attempt to do in office because he just – he is such a new president. We've never had a president like him before. And so at the very least, it should be interesting to see what he will attempt to change. Um, I'm also looking forward to the new Star Wars myself. Uh, the unemployment rate has dropped to 4.6% in the USA, and apparently it's just going to keep going. So we're looking up. The economy's looking up, it seems like. Yeah, um, and... And I think that it should be said. I mean, I, I know that we have a lot of people that are having a hard time letting go of the election results. But one thing that the news agencies have done, and this isn't this isn't really normalization. Donald Trump did win the presidency of the United States, and he is the president-elect. So, I mean, at the bare minimum, he he deserves the respect of the fact that he is the commander-in-chief. Hillary Clinton did say in her concession speech that America owes him the chance to succeed. We do not want the man to fail because if he fails, we fail. So I just, I think as a station, we want to say that, you know, we want to give the president the chance to succeed and for God's sakes, do not go after LGBTQ rights. Don't take us back into the stone ages going backwards in time. You know, we're a progressive nation. We've come so far. Let's try to turn the page forward. And if they uh-huh. steps against us, all of the organizations from HRC, GLAD, Trevor Pratt, everyone will unite and get a coalition going if it goes in the wrong direction. Fair they to say. Exactly. All right, Roger Lang. Well, Happy New Year to you. Um, we have a special guest that's coming on from a pre-taped interview. We spoke with the Gainey Bunch. So we're going to give you a special treat now to round out this episode. So please welcome to LGBTQ America, the Gainey Bunch. You're listening to Gay News America. I'm Brandon Carmody. We are on the phone today, New Year's Eve, with the Gaty Bunch. We have, uh, let's let the Gaty Bunch introduce yourselves. Go ahead. I'm Chris. I'm Tammy. We're the Gaty Mom. Hi, Chris and we Tammy. Uh, happy we Happy New did. Year's to you both. This is the end of 2016. Are you excited? Yes. New Year to you, and yes, we're very excited to begin 2017. I am as well, definitely. Um, so why don't you uh, why don't we start here? Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about the Gaty Bunch, a little bit about your family? I can tell you from the summary that you are two moms, five kids, two dogs, and a bunch of cats. But why don't we expand yeah. on that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's because we're, we're weak when it comes to our daughters. So uh, we have uh, seven cats, which is crazy. What she's not telling you is that I'm weak to my wife and two daughters because the three of them conspire and then attack me. And then I have to say, yes. Do the seven so. cats get along with the two dogs? They do actually. They don't, they kind of like stay out of each other's way. So it's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. So we raised, yeah, they're all biologically our children. Yeah. Uh, well, um, the oldest uh, kids, which are uh, 20 year old twins, a uh, boy and girl, One Michael and Bianca. Harrison. You know, they're the eldest twins. Uh, our oldest son, Harrison, he doesn't live with us, but he's uh, he's 27. He's getting married in May. 
so we're very excited about that. And we and yeah. Chris's logical kids are uh, Alessandra and Anthony. She's 13 and he's nine. So we have a whole tribe of kids, and it's great. That's exciting. No, you really are. You really are a Katie bunch. That's that's exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah so there. so 2016 has been just a whirlwind year. You know, there there were positives, but there was an election. There were celebrity deaths. There was a lot of negatives. So if I could just ask you both, why don't you give me your best and worst memory of 2016? Let's start with the best, if you have a best one. <laughs> Uh, well, I guess I'll, I'll go first. I, I guess the best is uh, my mom uh, has stage four cancer, and but she's such a trooper and she has such a positive, uh, you know, vibe and 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 positive to you know she just has, is very strong and a great will to live. So she's still with us, and that's my positive. Um, I would say my negative is that I was in a car accident in September, uh, so I had a two-level fusion on my neck. Uh, but mm. I pulled through and, you know, I, I keep going and, and stay positive with it. Well, my, yeah. my negative, my negative is the cast. Um, <laughs> that would be my negative. The cast, uh, definitely the cast are my negative and, and the election is probably my oh, negative. Oh, definitely. That's another negative. Yeah. Um, but my positive is, uh, my family. It's always going to be my positive is my family. That that's incredible, um, and and I'm also uh, personally marking that down that the cats in the election rate equally on the <laughs> on the scale. Yeah. So <laughs> let's let's talk let's talk about that. So you have I mean you have a family you know you're LGBTQ. So I'm sure that an election with you know a lot of hateful rhetoric and everything that we sort of saw over this last year and a half leading up to the big day and this result, it must have either shocked you, surprised you, or had some type of an emotional impact. I mean, how does this emotion sit with you and your family? Well, you know, when I, when I watched the election, I was, you know, I was kind of, I mean, I was devastated. You know, we're legally married, um, and I immediately panicked. Uh, I didn't know what the first step I should do to protect my family you know, to, to make sure that nothing was undone. Um, literally took me a full day to recover from the news. Um, yeah. It was, it, it's scary because, you know, we, we came, we have come so far, you know, with finally, you know, people just kind of letting, you know, lo- love be love and letting people live their lives. And then, you know, we, we have this election and now we have a, a vice president that's, you know, so, so, so extreme right wing that it's like, you know, oh, like conversion therapy. We're going to undo all the rights and there's going to be no federal protection for, for gay couples anymore. And I think it scares a lot of people, especially the, well, it scares a lot of people in general that, you know, this, this, these two Gemini twins are running our country at the moment. But the fact that the community, the, you know, our community is kind of, you know, up in the air with what's going to happen. And, and you know, it's a, there's a lot of anticipation and a lot of stress and a lot of, um, you know, fear going into the new year. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a, a lot of the not knowing, you know, not knowing what's going to come next. Um, you know, it took so long for gay marriage to be legalized. And, you know, as a married couple raising kids, it just, it's frightening. I, I mean, I don't know 
what's going to happen as far as like the people who are already married, if anything's going to change with that. But, you know, my feeling anyway is that I'm concerned about the future of the young, you know, young young LGBTQ youth, you know, these are kids that are, you know, looking to, they, they actually look up to us. We get, we get kids, you know, talking to us all the time and saying, oh, we want what you have one day. And that's really important to us, which is our whole point of the Gaty Bunch is because we want to show young LGBTQ, you know, that, you know, they're okay. They need to be strong and, you know, have a family one day. You know, it's it's not impossible for them. And just to, you know, stay strong and keep their pride and, and you know, not let anyone get them down. But, you know, with this going on, you know, with with Trump and, and, and you know, this okay. election, it's just like they're probably, I'm sure they're worried, and they I think rightly so. Do you think that there are a lot more um, issues at play that have sort of come to light in this sort of new America? It's kind of, the, it was the same America, but now everything has sort of come to the surface and been put under the microscope via things like the election result, um, you know, was it a surprise to you that none of the talking heads, like none of the cable news or regular news was really giving the possibility that there could be a Trump presidency? It was almost like we were going to go through the procedure of election night to incoronate Hillary Clinton and then this surprising yeah. result. So there's a lot of distrust for the media right now, and a lot of folks are talking about fake news stories. Do you have any response about all of this that's being discussed? I mean, I think that it's, you know, the way everything went, and we watched, you know, all the debates and everything, and I mean, we, the way I saw it was, you know, here's someone, you know, like Hillary Clinton, you know, admits admits to her faults, you know, open and honest about them, and then you have somebody over here that, you know, refuses, you know, attacking the president, you know, attacking President Obama, you know, blatantly attacking, you know, every type of person on his Twitter account that you could possibly imagine. And you're thinking to yourself, like, America's got to be smarter to to let this guy in. And then, you know, the, you have the media sitting here pumping up Hillary, you know, saying, you know, she's a better choice, she's a better choice, she's a better choice. And then, you know, it, it was like when, a, when, the, when we, when Florida, when we knew that we lost Florida, I was, I literally did not know at that point what to do. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like, it's got to be, it's like, this isn't real. Like something's going on. Yeah. Something's a little fishy. How can, yeah. how can this guy, off? you know, yes, you know, both of that, you know, people are arguing about, okay, we'll pick your lesser, lesser evil. But at the same time, you know, she was obviously, you know, the the, the popular vote and she obviously should have been, in the off, I mean, in my opinion, I think that I think that, that that something something went on, and I and I you know I wish I could figure out what you want to say conspiracy theory or whatever, you know you it, it just doesn't make sense. It does, doesn't doesn't yeah, add up trust, to me. I don't trust it. I feel like there there was just something, uh, something that wasn't right with that. I mean, it, it didn't make sense. You know, my my whole take on the whole situation was that when I found out that Trump was running for presidency, my whole my whole thing from day one when I found out that he was running and he had picked Pence as his VP, I had said, you watch, he'll get in, give him a couple months, he'll resign, and then Pence will take over. And that's, and that's when, and that's when, you know, we're going to be in trouble. 
So there's a lot of the reveals that the federal government, President Obama, all of our spy agencies, including the FBI and CIA, have uh, released in regard to the Russian hacking report, um, of which yeah. <laughs> President-elect Trump is still denouncing and saying not to take it seriously, and he keeps having these discussions about it's time to move on. Um, I wanted to just draw your attention to the fact that the Washington Post, as uh, recently as tonight, is saying that they're uncovering more and more evidence that Trump and his campaign may have secret business ties and regular communications with Russia. So as sort of the Russia situation unravels, does that give you any more additional cause for worry as to the circumstances by which this man has risen to the presidency of the United States? I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I don't doubt for a second that there wasn't some sort of, you know, hacking going on. Um, I don't doubt it for a second. You know, I'm in the legal field. So, you know, when you sit and you look at this stuff, I don't, I see it and and I don't doubt for a second that there wasn't some sort of hacking. And now you have, you know, you have, you have Trump and you have Pence and you have, you know, what is it? Uh, I don't even want to mispronounce his name, you know, but the was the Russian president, the three of them, the three amigos over there. I mean, all three of them are trigger happy. That's, uh, you know, that's the scary world that, you know, we're living in and then unfortunately the youth have to grow up in, you know, not knowing what's going to be, you know, and now you have, you have the Russian president talking about, you know, airstrikes or, you know, uh, the cyber attack, you know, to, in retaliation against the accusations. And that's kind of scary. Yes. And president like Trump uh, began tweeting a week ago about the United States need for additional nuclear weapons and to be more nuclear ready. So, I can I can personally see the escalation escalating mm-hmm. from here, um, but again it's New Year's, so I'm trying to focus on the positives. We're not at war yet. Not yet. yet. <laughs> what would you uh, if if you could if you could predict a positive 2017 for LGBTQ, assuming that some of our current standards remain in place. So let's say that there's no major challenge to the Supreme Court decision of Obergefell v. Hodges. So same-sex marriage stays in place. What um, types of things might you like to see happen for the community in 2017? What what would be kind of on your bucket list, if any? You know, I, I want people to understand, I want people to really try and understand transgender people. Um, I really think there's such a really bad light on them, um, you know, from, from people outside of the community. I I feel like people don't because I feel like people fear what they don't what they don't know or what they don't understand. So because of that fear, you know, it's immediately you know they're immediately attacked or you know um, bullied or whatever. Um, in one of my blogs, I I I you know pay tribute to a young child in in I think it was Australia that that committed suicide because he was being bullied um, because I you know because of his his sexual preference. Um, and that always breaks my heart. And I think that there's a lot of transgender people out there that, you know, aren't getting the same, you know, acceptance as, you know, a lesbian couple or, you know, a homosexual couple. Um, and just in general, too, like, you know, you have the pansexuals and all that. So I Also, I, I, I think also just LGBT, you know, other in other countries, I feel like... Mm you know, in other countries where there are people getting, you know, killed or, you know, arrested or whatever, you know, for being gay or lesbian. It's just, 
I really feel that, you know, I'd like to see a change in that. I mean, because I've seen a great change, you know, here Mm -hmm. throughout the years, you know, where, as you know, even up until I would say five years ago, uh, when my wife and I first met, we were looking for a house together where we were discriminated against and people weren't like allowing us to, you know, rent out a house because we were two women. I find now, you know, or when I had a surgery going back a few years ago and they wouldn't even let my wife in to see me, that was really rough. And yeah, and you know, now I see the big difference. They have total respect for us. You know, no one even blinks an eye when we go to doctor's appointments together or I say my wife. I see it I see that it's it's been normalized. Is that what we're saying that it's it's become normalized, right? It is. Yeah, yeah, it's becoming normal. I think, you know, not to interrupt, but I think that the that, you know, I think that part of the community is being normalized. Um, I don't think that transgenders um, are being considered normalized, and that's right. that's what where I want to see the change coming in 2017. I want I want transgender people to be normalized. That, you know, this isn't something that we wake up one morning and we decide that, you know, I'm going to be a lesbian or, hey, I'm going to I'm going to marry a guy or I'm going to fall in love with a guy or, you know what, you know, I'm a woman, but I want to become a man. You know, I don't – this isn't something that you wake up one morning and you and decide. And you just decide. This is it's who you are. And I think people need to understand that that goes for everybody in the LGBT community. That's why the community LGBTQ, is so yeah. – that's why it's so broad. Um and that's what I want to see in 2017 is that the entire the entire dynamic of the community is normalized as just what We're just we human. is right is is what we are is just human human and that's it. I'm I'm sort of smiling on my end. I I literally folks just came from a haircut, and I strongly suspect that the barber that just cut my hair um, is a transgendered woman, and I was so sure that I was trying to give some type of a sign, like, like, hey, I'm a club member, like, I'm one of you, but without, like, pulling out, like, a rainbow flag or card out of the wallet. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I was also trying to just be, like, of the utmost respectful and not, you know, do anything other than normal. But but also, if, you know, some- sometimes people recognize me as being gay without, you know, me wearing, like, the rainbow flag. So I do think that there are some subtle signs between members of the community. I don't know, call it gaydar, call it whatever you want, but there is some intuition where people sort of look at me. It's almost like if you saw the movie Fight Club where they look at each other and they just know they're club members. Sometimes people know that I'm a member and sometimes I know they are. <laughs> exactly. And yet, you know, it's right. right. You, and you just don't want to just like blurt it out or say something, but sometimes you just want to just show that you're supportive. Like, you know, you know what? I support you but without having to say it, you right. know, because you know that they go through, you know, people go through uh, not being supported and it, and it's a horrible feeling. I did want to follow up on the transgender topic by highlighting the story that's been in the news this week about the eight-year-old transgender boy that was denied entry, I believe, into the Cub Scouts or Boy Scouts. Did you, yeah. did you read about that story? I read that article. I think it's. So I that's got to be a difficult circumstance for someone that's already so young, that's already having those identity issues and trying to figure that out to then face rejection on that level, right? Well, yeah, and that's and and that's exactly where the changes have to come. You know, like that's what we'd like to see. You know, where these young kids don't have to go through this. It's so painful for them, 
And then you have these kids, you know, committing suicide because they can't handle it. And that's, it's just so sad. You know, we have children and no matter what, you know, our children are very fortunate that no matter who they are or, or you know, they know that they they can be comfortable to come to us and they will be supported, but not every kid has that. And by the way, I just want to fight off a misconception um, about gay families or, you know, being raised by same-sex couples. Um, you know, I've heard throughout my time that I've come out that, you know, the same-sex couples, you know, you know, your kids will be gay, you're going to rub the gayness off. All of our children are straight. Every single one of them are straight. So, oh, okay. You know, well, we don't know for sure, yeah, with the little guy. He's well, too young. We don't know. But I'm whatever just saying, you know, like, it's just such a misconception out there that because, you know, kids are being raised by two moms or being raised by two dads or being raised by a transgender couple, you know, that... It's not contagious. It's who yeah. you are. It's who you're born, you know, born to be. That's it. You're born however you're born. It's, you know... But yes, that's and you know, I mean, and I you know, know, I do see, I do see good news in the LGBTQ community news lines like every day. But it almost, I, I try, and I try to retweet them honestly, you all. But sometimes, you know, the headlines come in like tonight. There's a little bit of both. But there was a story the other day about, I believe it was a straight son supporting his gay father getting married, and I think that the father had been, you know, kind of closeted or had waited till the mom passed away or something that came out. So there are really great success stories of acceptance like that that happen every day, but it doesn't make the front page. (laughs) It's not out there. No. And I think that that's, you know, I think that that's the key part of the media um, normalizing our community is putting positive stories like that, you know, out there and, you know, not just on social media, but like legitimately out there because it's important for the world to see that, you know, that's why I do the blogs. You know, I mean, yeah, it's a very sarcastic blog, and I'm just a very sarcastic person. But, um, you know, I like to make people laugh. You know, and I like to make people laugh. But I do the blog purposely because, you know, the majority of the stuff that goes on in this house is the same things that would go on in a straight family's house. Like, you know, waking up because, you know, cats are tearing down a Christmas tree or, you know, waking up because the little guy's sick or you know what I mean? It's, bills, it's, jobs, have, family, yeah, bills, yes, all all that stuff. Cats. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. We're no different than the straight couple next door with kids, you know? We're just no different. Yeah, and I mean, I think the nor- being being in the being in a limelight or being in the light and showing a positive side to having, you know, to to an LGBT family, you know, is what needs to be seen. And, you know, I that's my goal for, my personal goal for 2017 is to kind of elevate, you know, the Gady Bunch and kind of, you know, really, really try and get it out there so that people, you know, latch onto it and see it and, and you know, want to, you know, feel like they they have, you know. People need to feel comfortable. They have to stop. People are just... They feel uncomfortable when it's something different, and it's it's just ridiculous. Like if if more people, I posted something the other day, and it was a little a little girl saying to her mother, "Oh, is that a boy or a girl?" And the mother said, "That's a human." And I loved it. I loved it because yeah, this is what more people need to do. And I think well, let, by people let me ask you about entertainment. Let me ask you both about entertainment. So, and this is something that I hear all the time. So when folks either go to the movie theater or turn on television shows, and this is a demographic question, but most often the answer is people want to see themselves represented. So do the two of you 
when you watch television generally feel that you see yourself represented? Do you feel that LGBTQ has gotten a lot more television representation, or do you still feel like you don't see yourself when you tune into programs? No, I think we need to see a lot more. I, yeah. I don't think, you know, you see one show here and there compared to the many shows of, you know, with straight couples or straight, you know, just straight people. Once in a while, you know, it's like they'll throw in, you know, like a token gay person, but like, you know, and it shouldn't only have to be on, you know, specific stations like, you know, let's say Logo or, you know what I mean? Like a station where that just shows like, you know, gay people. Like it should be there on regular television networks. There needs, there needs to be like more, you know, television series where there are, you know, gay couples or just, you know, even single gay people, but there needs, there needs to be more. There's not enough. Yeah, I mean, you feel the you same know, way about the film industry? Film industry is doing the same as television, not enough representation? Not, exactly. en- not enough. No. I, not enough. Not enough. Not enough. I think, and I don't think that there's enough out there, and I'm not saying that we need, you know, that we need to monopolize, like, you know, the TV stations and the movie and, and the movie theaters, but, you know. It should be equal. It should it's be, like, yeah, I mean, we're, you know. And that's the only way that we will be normalized. That's the only way that we will be looked at as humans is if people actually come and see, you know, how we live our lives. You know, how, you know, you come to our home, we don't have a rainbow flag outside our house. We don't have, you know, we don't have rainbow things inside the house. Like, it's where our house is a blue house, you know, in in the middle of the suburbs and, you know, two cars in the driveway, a basketball net out in front. And you would, by looking at it, you said it was a straight couple's house. You know, until yeah. then I get out of the car when I get home from work. And then there's like, hey, there's a lesbian. But besides that, you know what I mean? Like, it's where it's just a normal-looking house. And just, there needs to be more in the media. There needs to be more on TV. And I think, it's you know, that's just about equality. I feel like we still don't have the same, you know, equality. You know what I mean? Yes, and, and I, I definitely want to give – Props to our fellow journalists that um, are out in the community. At this point, we know that some major players in television news, like Rachel Maddow, Anderson Cooper, yeah. Ellen DeGeneres, are, are all out and proud. Um, but they, they are also doing their jobs every day, so they don't wear their sexuality on a T-shirt. I mean, they go out there and they represent um, their networks and do their job very well, but they're also out and you know, have no problem with that. So that, to me, is a great part of television news starting to say, this is part of the, how, this is part of America. This is it. This is us. Yes, exactly. Yes, I agree. Completely agree. Now, our show, um, our, we're, we're rebranding, to, just to let the listeners know, by the time you hear this on New Year's Day, <laughs> we will, the former Gay News Radio, I'll make the announcement now, the former Gay News Radio is now Gay News America, and we've done this for inclusivity, if I can get that word out. <laughs> um, I, do also, I do also hold a business license, so as much as we wanted to totally veer off in other directions and drop the gay and go other directions, it's like, oh, well, we're also like a legal business, so we kind of got to keep it close to the best. But we're now Gay News America, and we're um, going to be hosting several different types of programs and inviting people to come on on the regular. So. Uh, we definitely want to thank the Gaty Bunch for coming on here. This will be airing on New Year's Day, 12 p.m. So um, any final comments that you'd like to add today? 
Well, yeah, no, I mean, if you guys, uh, listen, uh, we appreciate the opportunity to come on and, yeah, thank and, you guys. and um, welcome us uh, with open arms. We appreciate that. Um, feel free to check us out. You know, we're all over the social media. All you got to do is type in Gate, the Gaty Bunch. We're everywhere. So. All right. And this is Brandon Crumity back with you all live now. Um, you just heard Chris and Tammy from the Gaty Bunch. Thank you very much, ladies, for coming on. We appreciate your story, and um, we will definitely have you back. So I just want to finish out the show today highlighting the legacy for LGBTQ rights of President Obama as we're about to have a major transition and wrap up the Obama presidency. So I'm going to quote to you from the Human Rights Campaign. Um, Here are 20 important moments for LGBTQ progress under the Obama presidency. I think that we all owe a bit of tribute to President Obama. So I'm going to read you um, these 20 highlights. Number one. President Obama signed into law the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act. The law gives the Justice Department the power to investigate and prosecute bias-motivated violence by providing the Justice Department with jurisdiction over crimes of violence where a perpetrator has selected a victim because of the victim's actual or perceived race, color, religion, national origin, gender, sexual orientation, gender, identity, or disability. Number two, In an interview with ABC News' Robin Roberts, Obama endorsed marriage equality. He said after speaking with his own LGBTQ staff members, military service members, as well as his wife and daughters, Obama said he just concluded that for me personally, it is important to go ahead and affirm that I think same-sex couples should be able to get married. Number three, President Obama relegated America's Don't Ask, Don't Tell ban on gay and lesbian service members to the dustbin of history. For 17 years, the law prohibited qualified gay and lesbian Americans from serving in the armed forces and sent a message that discrimination was acceptable. The Pentagon later ended its ban on transgender people in America's military service. For far too long, these discriminatory bans robbed the LGBTQ community of the dignity of being honest about who they are able to serve the country um, that they love. So don't ask, don't tell. Went into the dustbin. We really appreciate that one. Number four, Sarah McBride was selected as the first openly transgender woman to intern in the White House. Sarah went on to serve as HRC's national press secretary and to become the first openly transgender person to address a major political party convention when she spoke at the 2016 Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia. Congratulations to Sarah McBride. That's awesome. Number five, the Obama administration threw its weight behind the movement to ban the harmful and widely debunked practice of conversion therapy. Valerie Jarrett, senior advisor to President Obama, spoke out against the practice, and a few months later, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration published a report calling for an end to the so-called conversion therapy for minors. Number six, President Obama signed a crucial executive order to protect LGBTQ workers from job discrimination along with a number of other significant policy or regulatory changes. The Obama administration has worked across all cabinet agencies to ensure LGBTQ Americans were fully included in the work of our federal government, resulting in LGBTQ workers, students, renters, immigrants, refugees, service members, patients, families, and beyond having the full force of the administration at their backs. All right, number seven. 
the Obama family celebrated the historic marriage equality ruling by lighting up the White House in rainbow colors. President Obama referred to it as one of his favorite moments of 2015. In a press conference, President Obama said, I didn't have the chance to comment on how good the White House looked in rainbow colors, to see people gathered in the evening on a beautiful summer night, and to feel whole and to feel accepted and feel that they have the right to love. That was pretty cool. That was a good thing. Number eight, the Obama administration reversed a 22-year ban on travel to the United States by people who tested positive for HIV. President Obama said, if we went to a global leader, and if we want to be a global leader in combating HIV and AIDS, we need to act like it. We've talked about reducing the stigma of the disease, yet we've treated a visitor living with it as a threat. Prior to the policy change, the United States was one of only about a dozen countries with similar travel bans. Number nine, President Obama signed the first ever federal law prohibiting explicit LGBTQ non-discrimination protections in the 2013 Violence Against Women Act reauthorization. Time and time again, President Obama has advocated for legislation that explicitly includes protections for LGBTQ and other vulnerable communities who are victims of domestic violence. Now, in number 10, time and time again, President Obama used the bully pulpit to stand up for the LGBTQ community. One of our favorite moments marked the time in a U.S. president referenced bisexual or transgender people in the official State of the Union address. He argued that LGBTQ individuals deserve the same protections and rights as other Americans. Number 11. Obama's administration on aging released important guidance that empowers providers to consider LGBTQ older adults as a population of greatest social need, paving the way for increased services that significantly improve the health and well-being of this aging population. This step brought much-needed attention to the unique needs of LGBTQ older adults and the urgent actions needed to maintain health and preserve their dignity. Number 12. The Obama administration established a task force on bullying that created StopBullying.gov. The website offers support and resources for LGBTQ youth and guidance on how to prevent and respond to bullying. The task force hosted the first ever White House conference on bullying prevention and funded an It Gets Better video from both the president and his staff to address LGBTQ youth at risk of depression and suicide. Number 13. Prior to the Olympics in Sochi, President Obama spoke out against Russia's heinous anti-LGBTQ law. In an interview with Jay Leno on NBC's The Tonight Show, President Obama condemned a Russian law that criminalizes even the most modest gestures of support for LGBTQ people. The president stated that such laws violate the basic morality that I think should transcend every country, and I have no patience for countries that try to treat gays or lesbians or transgender persons in ways that intimidate them or that are harmful to them. He later sent a delegation comprised of openly LGBTQ athletes, Billie Jean King, Caitlin Cahal, and Brian Boitano, to attend the games in his place. Excellent. Thank you, President Obama. Looking at number 14 now, President Obama cheered on the landmark Supreme Court cases. He even gave us a congratulations call from Air Force One. Obama placed a call to HRC President Chad Griffin's cell phone in order to offer his congratulations to Prop 8 plaintiffs Chris Perry and Sandy Steyer and Paul Katami and Jeff Cirillo following the Supreme Court's decisions. The call came as Perry and Steyer were speaking to Thomas Roberts live on MSNBC. During the call, which lasted two minutes, and the caller ID labeled unknown, (laughs) 
The president expressed his thanks to the plaintiffs for their courage and determination in returning marriage equality to California. We're proud of you guys, and we're proud to have this in California. And it's because of your leadership things are heading the right way. So you should be very proud today. The administration had filed a brief in the Perry case arguing for an end to Proposition 8. All right, number 15. President Obama's administration has made a record number of appointments of LGBTQ judges and ambassadors. He has also championed more than 250 LGBTQ appointments for full-time and advisory positions in the federal government over the course of his tenure, an important step for LGBTQ Americans who deserve a voice that speaks to their very own level of government. Number 16, Obama's Education Department hosted five summits on ways to protect students from bullying and harassment. These events included an LGBTQ Youth Summit in 2011 and a meeting with transgender students in June of 2015. Gatherings in these official capacities were previously unprecedented. Number 17, President Obama signed the Affordable Care Act into law. Prior to the Affordable Care Act's passage, insurance companies could discriminate against anyone due to a pre-existing condition. LGBTQ people could be turned away for being honest about being LGBTQ and individuals with HIV and AIDS were particularly vulnerable to insurance industry abuses. Consistent with the goals of the President's National HIV and AIDS Strategy, the Affordable Care Act achieved considerable strides in addressing these concerns and made quality affordable care accessible for all. Number 18, President Obama instructed the Justice Department not to defend the constitutionality of the Defense of Marriage Act. Prior to a June 2013 ruling by the U.S. Supreme Court, DOMA, singled out lawfully married same-sex couples for unequal treatment under the federal law. Fortunately, the court held Section 3 of DOMA unconstitutional in Windsor v. United States, 2013. Two years later, in Obergefell v. Hodges, the court ruled that the bans on marriage equality are unconstitutional. Number 19, the Obama administration supported HRC's partnership with the U.S. Department of State's Global Equality Fund. Established in 2011 by then-Secretary of State Hillary Rodham Clinton, the fund brings together governments, corporations, foundations, and civil society organizations to work toward a world where LGBTQ people can live free of violence and discrimination. And finally, alas, we come to number 20. President Obama's White House endorsed the Equality Act. Legislation would provide consistent and explicit anti-discrimination protections for LGBTQ people across key areas of life, including employment, housing, credit, education, public spaces and services, federally funded programs, and jury service. White House Press Secretary Josh Ernest said the bill is historic legislation that would advance the cause of equality for millions of Americans. So there you have it, folks. In 20 bullet points we can see the massive strides for LGBTQ rights protections, including marriage under President Obama administration. President Obama, we as a community thank you, and I personally thank you for the historic work that you've undertaken for this community, for your utmost genuine love, caring, and respect that you have shown to us. Sir, we congratulate you, and we thank you. For everyone listening today, This is LGBTQ America on the new Gay News America. I'm your host, Brandon Carmody. I want to thank Roger Lang and special guest, J.D. Bunch. Thank you, Chris and Tammy. We are signing off from our very first episode. Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome to 2017, and we will see you at 12 p.m. on Sunday next week. Have a good day. 